Well, good Monday morning and welcome to Connect, the California MBA's weekly podcast featuring one-on-one interviews with movers and shakers in the mortgage industry. It is April. We're actually wrapping up the month of April here with this uh, episode of Connect. We've been focusing all month on uh, some of the best and brightest uh, innovators and disruptors in the mortgage industry. And we've got uh, another great episode today. And so I hope you're uh, I hope you're ready to sit back and enjoy a great conversation with one of the industry's top minds. Uh, before we get started, though, I want to uh, thank our sponsors over at Accelerate. So if you're looking to close out more loans in 2021, make sure and experience Accelerate's award-winning customer engagement platform that features lead management, CRM, call routing, sales enablement, marketing automation, borrower engagement, and data intelligence through innovative use of multi-channel marketing, which includes text, social media, email, direct mail, phone, ringless voicemail, retargeting, and much, much more. And as I always say, if you're not following Josh Friend on uh, LinkedIn, you're missing out. He's got a lot of great stuff there. He's on uh, a lot of uh, great uh, webinars and podcasts in the industry right now. And he's always putting out great content there over there on LinkedIn. He's actually going to be speaking at our uh, Mortgage Innovators Conference, which is coming up here in just a, uh, a week or so on May 4th and 5th. And if you want a, a more personal demo, make sure and go to Incelerate.com and you can do that there. All right, well, let's jump into the conversation. I'm welcome. I'm excited to welcome in Brian Zitten, co-founder and CEO of Regora and good friend of the association here. Brian's also speaking at the Innovators Conference here in about a week or so. So, Brian, welcome. Yeah, thanks for having me, Dustin. Super excited to uh, to chat and, and yeah, excited for the, the conference as well. Absolutely. Well, and just a quick note here, if you haven't registered yet for the conference, make sure to head over to mortgageinnovators.com. If you actually use uh, uh, promo code Brian, you can get 50% off your registration fees. So uh, make sure and take wow. advantage of that now. Yeah. I got a, I got a promo Just, code. Of course you got a promo code. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> and Brian's going to be, Brian's got his own uh, tech talk at the conference. So uh, make sure and uh, tune into that. That'll be uh, really fascinating to hear. So Brian, let's, uh, let's start the uh, conversation here. Let's start right at the beginning here. Tell us a little bit about yourself, your background and, and uh, how you wound up uh, starting uh, or co-founding, I should say, uh, Regora. Yeah, sure. I, I always make the joke, like like many a young folk dreamed of getting into the mortgage and appraisal industry as a young as a young boy. Um, the dream no, of I, I, <laughs> yeah, I I, uh, I stumbled into it through kind of real estate. So I do do not have much of a background beyond what what I've done here at Regora. I co-founded the company uh, with my college roommate at Boston University. So went to school at BU, been in Boston. Uh, my co-founder is like the technical guy. So he grew up in Illinois, Massachusetts. He's been coding since he's 10 years old. Uh, we were just best friends. And uh, I had interned at JLL, big commercial real estate brokerage, um, over just over the summer as like an intern. And basically saw just really inefficient practices just as being a real estate broker, essentially knocking on doors, cold calling, uh, a really tough business to be in. So when we went into our senior year, we started our own real estate brokerage um, and essentially used an algorithm to get the contact information of every single property owner in Massachusetts. So instead of knocking on doors and cold calling, we could just send out thousands of emails programmatically. Hey, you wanna sell your property? Hey, you wanna sell your property? And um, believe it or not, we sold about $5 million worth of properties throughout our senior years doing that. Just finding the you know lucky instance of, you know this person moving, this person's parent just died, they were selling um, and you know pretending like we were more sophisticated than we were sort of thing at the beginning. So um, as we were you doing that- You we were doing this from your dorm room, right? <laughs> Maybe they could tell by my, la I did not have any facial hair at the time, looked like a pipsqueak 22 year old sort of thing. So maybe the, you know, suits or whatever was helping. But 
but yeah, somehow managed to do that, but not super scalable, right? Eventually you end out of people to just blast emails to. We, we didn't really want to start the brokerage. Like I said, it's, it's a real tough business. Um, as we are giving property tours though, you know, Inwalks and Appraiser with their clipboard, really old school kind of manual process in terms of how they were doing it. So that got us interested in like appraisal in general. And so I started literally driving out to middle of nowhere, Massachusetts, shadowing appraisers in their homes, watching them do their workflows and eventually just talked to enough people where um, we, we got an idea of what we wanted to do and took the money that we made doing brokerage, started building out tools and appraisal. People liked it and zoom forward to now we've we actually passed the 100 employee mark this week. Uh, we've raised about $45 million in venture capital and hopefully on our on our way to appraisal world domination. Wow, wow. congratulations to 100 employees. That, that, it's a big mark right there. Not too many companies can say they uh, made it to that point. So congratulations on that. Yeah, um, appreciate it. So tell us, so for maybe some of those out there in the audience that are that are not too familiar with you guys, um, I know if you're in the, in the tech side of the industry, uh, you certainly are aware of what you guys do, but uh, for those who aren't, tell us what what's the innovative or disruptive factor and uh, sort of the story or maybe the, the problem that you guys are solving over at Aurora. Yeah, maybe I'll just start this the super high level first, just touch for a second. So, I mean, appraisals are generally considered the long pole in the tent of mortgage in terms of really slow, you know, tedious manual. It's it's the one part of the mortgage process where you have to send a physical human somewhere in the real world. It's not it's not just all software, right? So there's a lot of workflows that go into that and managing all of that. And so we basically, what I would say are probably like the first real, like true venture capital backed FinTech to enter the space. Traditionally uh, appraisal in a mortgage already not super sexy. And so appraisal, the, the least sexy category uh, in mortgage most likely. So there, there traditionally hasn't been a ton of tech talent, right? And not, not many 20 something year olds like working on the problem of appraisal. And so what we started, you know, with, with Regora, I think is probably the first real modern technology solution with open APIs, you know, clean user experience, integrated workflows, lots of configurate, you know, just generally delivering a more cohesive user experience for the appraisal flow from A to Z. So that's what we deliver, appraisal management software that plugs into, you know, the lender and the core systems there and basically helps them streamline the process for the whole way, hopefully making appraisal less of a headache. Yeah, it's fascinating. I mean, you guys are, you know, I, I'm a big baseball fan and uh, I love the the, uh, the story of uh, Billy Bean here, you know, locally in uh, Oakland and the A's and, and uh, his uh, his Moneyball approach and just finding if inefficiencies where, you know, people would overlook that. And you guys absolutely, I mean, it, it, to your point, it's maybe not the most, you know, exciting and, and sexy part of the industry, but you found a great, you know, spot there where there's a huge inefficiency in the market to, you know, a problem to solve. Yeah, no, for sure. And, um, you know, there are a lot of cool things happening in terms of appraisal modernization and all that. So we, we honestly just got very lucky with timing and that we can actually start having an effect and, and things are changing. So uh, it's actually an exciting time to be to be in the appraisal industry. Yeah. All right. Well, let's uh, let's move on. So what uh, what have you found to be helpful in building the company? I mean, you just mentioned that you guys are at 100 employees. So you guys are certainly making big strides there. And, uh, you know, what is what have you found to be helpful in, in building that company and also breaking through in an industry and a sector of the industry that's very traditional and as you pointed out there's you know it's it was certainly due for an overhaul on the uh on the tech and, and customer experience side yeah i think i think that you know initially and similarly a lot of our early investors had this kind of misconception of oh you're going into this kind of older stodgy industry it's gonna be really hard to break in surprisingly you know first of all appraisers love to talk and complain about their problems but also you know lenders are generally i think just and that's why i'm saying we got lucky with timing 
fintech and technology in general have become a must have, you know? And so people are pretty open to just talking about their problems. And so, you know, once we started listening to people's problems, just say, hey, you know, tell us what you want and we'll build it. And then we kind of took that approach. People, people were generally open to it, you know, as long as we could deliver a better experience. So um, it definitely was difficult in the beginning, building up the initial credibility. But once you get the first couple of banks, then you can use them as references and it kind of, you know, slowly builds from there. Now we obviously work with like national lenders, but uh, you kind of had to start small and, and build up. Um, to help do that kind of on the company side, to answer your question, like operationally, we just had to surround ourselves with people who have been there, done that before in terms of more experienced executives. So, you know, all my executive team is better than me in their respective areas with, you know, years and years of experience. Um, we're actually, depending on what day this podcast comes out, we're, ma we're making a big announcement about someone who's just joined our board, really huge industry veteran. Um, and so, you know, just bringing in people who can can deliver that experience to us while while we come at it with more of like the tech innovation approach, I think is, is the perfect balance for us. Yeah, that makes sense. I think that any any associate any uh, any group or or company that is based solely on one person trying to do everything themselves, you're never going to survive that way. And I think you guys are smart by you know finding people who have their core capabilities and letting them do that, and then you know everyone else kind of focus on their own uh, uh, their own passions and their own their own uh, uh, sides of the business that they're best at. Mm -hmm, so, exactly. so to that point, I mean, what do you think are maybe some of the, the key characteristics of a great disruptive or innovative leader themselves on an on a individual basis? I, I mean, a lot, a lot goes into it. Um, I think number one is kind of being humble and that, you know, recognizing that, that you don't know everything and you do need to lean on other people and take their feedback. And, you know, it's, it's kind of an interesting balance of getting the feedback and listening to the market, your employees, you know, whoever your partners, um, but then also making like a gut call in terms of like, well, they're saying this, but really they want that, you know, and kind of, um, you know, there's the balance between people who are just, you know, uh, taking, taking questions and answering them in terms of, oh, can you build this? Yes, we'll go and build that. It's like, well, what are you actually trying to solve? Um, and so I think being able to kind of decompose problems in that regard, whether it's from a product standpoint, whether it's internally, you know, where is the process breaking down? Um, and, and be open to the feedback, but then kind of being able to make your own kind of creative decision-making is really what leads to the disruption. Because especially in an industry like this one, it's really hard to just jump the line. You know, there's lots of regulations, there's a lot of existing workloads you need to accommodate. So it's really, you know, you have to, while I didn't have a background, I now have a PhD in appraisals. And like, you know, you, you need to exist, you need, you need to understand the existing infrastructure, be open to learning that and, and slowly drag people, you know, to the future. Um, in, in a lot of respects. So I don't, I don't necessarily think, you know, you have some people who are like the Steve Jobs where you just jump from the iPhone, but in an industry like ours, highly regulated, lots of big things going on. I think I think that's kind of the better approach to disruption. Yeah, no, I, I love that. Uh, I love that phrase there, decomposing the problem. I think that makes a lot of sense. I think you're right. There is, you know, there is a lot to say about just listening to someone kind of, you know, um, hearing what your problem is, but, you know, maybe you don't really quite understand you know what the solution is the solution that you're looking for is maybe not the the global solution that'll solve the, the big problem and not just your individual you know problem you're working on today uh, i think there's a lot of wisdom there so what's uh, what's on the horizon now for uh regora and maybe the the future of the appraisal side of the business in general well that's what i was saying it's super exciting because you know there, there's this there's been this big so we we've built this better software right um but like i said you, you have to send physical humans places and, and there's been this challenge in the appraisal industry of the number of appraisers. It's continued to decline 
kind of year over year. And and recently, the FHFA put out an RFI to the public around uh, appraisal modernization efforts. And so what we're seeing, if you know, depending on what their response is, potential future where the appraiser isn't the only person doing inspections potentially. You know, a third party, whether it's a real estate agent or or someone else, you know, wielding cool technologies like LIDAR and 3D scanning and stuff like that on mobile apps to, to really transform the way that these inspections are done. And so, you know, let's say for example, real estate agents get opened up in terms of who can do this inspection. There's 40,000 appraisers to fulfill the millions of transactions. There's 2 million real estate agents, right? So there's way more supply to be able to go and do that. And so I think that's going to be one of the big breakthroughs potentially in terms of really getting the appraisal down from, you know, two weeks to two days sort of thing. Um, and so we're excited to see how that all plays out and, and try to lead all the efforts on what, whatever it turns into. Wow, that's fascinating. So you're so you're thinking that uh, in the future it could be a scenario where a realtor brings in, like you said, uh, some sort of device with a you know augmented reality or something like that to see you know what they're supposed to look for and sort of give them the instructions without you know the years of training that it would take like a, a normal appraiser. Yeah, exactly. You know, when it, and I always use the metaphor of like you know a car versus a property, right? Like Kelly Blue Book is pretty much automated you know, the the valuation of a car because there's way more simplistic variables and measurements. And the tough part about valuing real estate is that there's so many variables and it's, you know, highly subjective to some degree. And what technology and kind of data aggregation has allowed us to do, especially with the GSEs and like the millions of data points that they have, is bring this more standardized approach to it where if you can generate all the X variables of the property, like the gross living area, the condition, photos, you can actually translate that into like a better, you know, a better version of an automated valuation model using that data, um, or at least sending that data to an appraiser, right, um, in, in some standardized way. So I think you know the the GSEs are thinking about it, kind of a risk based approach. Obviously, maybe you don't want to do that on like the prop the mansion in Maine, right? But when you have 20 identical Texas ranches next to each other, something like that becomes a more viable option. So um, so yeah, I think I think that that some version of that is is what the future holds. Yeah, no, I think you're totally right. I think, yeah, whether it's an, an older home or a unique property, yeah, I mean, you're, it's going to be tough to replace the the human element there. But I think that your point on more, you know, more of a, a cookie cutter property or something where it's, you know, multiple properties, you know, in the same neighborhood that are the same, you know, mm -hmm. age, same condition, roughly. I think that you've got, you've got a point there. Um, so this fast forwarding a few years here, like five or 10 years, what from your perspective on the appraisal side, you know, if you're kind of looking at the entire mortgage transaction, the entire borrower journey, what does the borrower's experience look like and how is it going to be, you know, radically different from today? I mean, I think that it's going to be radically different. I'm not exactly mm -hmm. sure exactly what that'll look like, but, you know, I think that we're certainly not going to be looking like it does today. Yeah, for sure. And and in terms of, your, do you mean specifically for the appraisal or just in general? Yeah, well, let's start on the appraisal side and then see how that, uh, what that, how that impacts the mm -hmm. entire borrower journey. Yeah, I think, I think, Building off of the last answer, there are going to be some instances where even the borrower themselves are doing that inspection, you know, and, it, you know, if it's a refinance and you just refinance 12 months earlier and, you know, not much has changed, you're just kind of getting any of the changes in the property and, and that sort of stuff. So, that, you know, and that actually happened with COVID, you know, virtual inspection tools where uh, the borrowers themselves were doing some of the driving around some of that. So I imagine that may become a larger component. Um, the other thing that I see happening is, you know, there's already... And this is partially what I'm talking about at your conference, actually, you know, is, is kind of that integrated experience across the um, spectrum of the process where right now it's kind of disconnected. But with point of sales and, and loan origination systems and companies like ours building better APIs, 
you can bring a more integrated approach. So the borrower is going through refinance, might be able to schedule their inspection right from within that app and have an appraiser just show up at their door uh, versus playing this clunky phone tag and, and all that sort of stuff, right? So um, I think from the borrower standpoint, that's gonna, you know, a, a more involved version of the appraisal today with more transparency and, and all that sort of stuff is, is probably on the radar. And then in general, once again, I'm mostly an appraisal expert but from the, the trends I see across is that a lot of the data that you know a borrower is bringing manually, whether it's credit, income, assets, all of that, it seems like that'll probably exist somewhere already. And that you know a bar, the Zuckerberg is turning us into little data products, and uh, people will walk in somewhere and their their loan will be underwritten for them based off a lot of their information and whatnot. So I assume that's probably where we're going. Well, that's a terrifying thought. I wonder who the, uh, so is there a, uh, a a potential mortgage Zuckerberg out there right now running either a tech company or a lender that we should be either afraid of or, you know, excited to meet? Kind of thing? I don't know. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It'll be, it'll be interesting. Yeah, absolutely. So last question here, we're starting to run out of time here, but uh, I want to, I mean, you guys, Regora has been a good uh, support of the California MBA for a few years now. And I'm just curious, uh, you know, from your perspective, why is it important for companies like you to support uh, advocacy, uh, the advocacy work of groups like the California MBA, the MBA, and other other industry groups? Well, a couple of reasons. You know, first of all, real estate mortgage—it's all very local and community oriented, right? And so, just building those connections with folks super important. You know, you want to be doing business with people, and obviously, it's a little bit harder these days with everything virtual. But but you want to be building. You know, be you know, these are like crucial transactions in a consumer's life. You want to make sure you're doing it with partners who you know, you have connections with and you can trust and you've met before and, and all that sort of stuff. Um, obviously also, you know, benefits in terms of just the actual work that people are doing in the community as well. Um, and so I, I really just think that getting more involved, whether it's with, you know, initiatives, community oriented stuff, even education around, hey, what's working for you? What's working for us? This is what's happening. Just kind of rising tides, raising all ships sort of thing is is what groups like yours deliver. So super excited to be a part of it. and. Um, and yeah, always excited to go to your events. All right. Well, and hopefully this will be the uh, the last uh, virtual event for quite some time. Hopefully we'll be back in person, be able to uh, you know have some of this uh, uh, um, collaborative uh, uh, efforts uh, in person, be able to see, look each other in the eye and shake hands and all that. <laughs> but hopefully that's coming soon. Um, Brian, thanks again for joining us today on uh, Connect and uh, best of luck to you guys at Regora. And uh, I look forward to seeing you again here coming up on uh, May 4th and 5th at the Mortgage Innovators Conference. Yeah, sounds good. Really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. All right. And if you enjoyed the conversation here, make sure and subscribe to us on our YouTube channel. You can also catch the podcast on uh, SoundCloud, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. And remember, if you haven't yet registered for the Mortgage Innovators Conference, go there right now, mortgageinnovators.com, and use promo code BRIAN to get 50% off. And we'll see you next week on another episode of Connect. We'll see you then. Here we go.